everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing The Son of Neptune on its 11th anniversary. Yay. Yay. Ari on the horse is 11 years old. This book is of legal drinking age now. <laughs> In what state is that true? I don't know. The state of Italy? Yeah, that sounds right. Who's to say? But these fucking Romans. It's probably a legal drinking age in Camp Jupiter. Oh, you're probably right. Wait. <laughs> see, this is why we need to spend an entire book there, so we can know the legal drinking age. I need to see Percy getting fucking sloshed. <laughs> but regardless Going to the floor of the Italian Senate viewing illicit images. Precisely. But however, nevertheless, we persist onwards to the summaries. Yeah. Chapter 37, Percy. To take his mind off of being in the sky, Percy focuses on trying to cheer Frank up, making it clear he's proud to be related to him. They then all talk about the big picture, how Juno has a plan for them, and how that plan resulted in the exchange between Camp Jupiter and Camp Half-Blood, which Percy recently remembered. He's worried about being rejected, but Hazel and Frank assure him that they're family now. Percy then gets some rest and uses his dreams to contact Tyson, who, with Mrs. O'Leary, has tracked him to the Vancouver woods, and asks them to find Ella and bring her to Camp Jupiter. The dream then shifts to just north of Camp Jupiter, where Polybody's army is ready to descend. They're planning on capturing and sacrificing Percy to wigan Gaia. When Percy wakes up, he sees they've entered Alaska, the land beyond the gods. Chapter 38, Percy. In higher spirits, now that he's begun to remember his past and is, for the first time, able to imagine a normal future with Annabeth, Percy and the gang grab a taxi into Anchorage. It's apparently grown a lot in the past 70 years, and it's also about as full of peaceful Hyperboreans, northern giants, as it is bears. They reach a cafe, have breakfast, and Hazel draws up a map to their destination. They'll take a train to Seward, and from there, take a boat to the Hubbard Glacier, though Percy isn't even sure he can use his powers with the Alaskan water. They go to the train station, and Percy leaves his mom a voicemail before getting on, letting her know he's okay, he's sorry, and he loves her. The train ride itself is relatively quiet, with Frank using the map to think up battle plans, until a giant monster bird swoops out of the sky and topples it off the rails. Chapter 39. Percy. It's a disaster! Griffins are attacking! Frank uses the last charge in his spear to protect some mortals, and then the kids move the fight away from the tracks. Percy realizes while they're running that the Griffins probably want to take them to their nests, and as soon as he realizes that, he stumbles over one of their nests. Apparently, Griffins collect gold also, so Percy has Hazel use the gold inside of their nest to throw the contents, including their eggs, into a nearby Hyperborean, which the Griffins of course chase after, making the sleeping giant let out a grumpy blast of ice breath which freezes the monstrous birds. Chapter 40, Percy. Now that their train's been cancelled, Percy, Frank, and Hazel trudge through the Alaskan woods for about an hour. They eventually reach a gas station and, after a bit of pep talk from Percy about how they can all totally win in the next 18 hours, they fall asleep. In the morning, the owner of the gas station calls a friend of his to give them a ride, and in a guy who lives in Seward. He takes them a few miles out from town and they walk the rest of the way, but when he stops off the road for just a second, Percy is swallowed into the earth. So Jane, what did you think of these chapters? Realistically, how comfortable can it be to shit out a dagger? No, no. What what are you saying? <laughs> I'm I'm talking about the contents of these chapters, Jacqueline, and the contents of these griffins. Yeah, I these griffins. <laughs> they're somehow the least anything of anything that's happened in this book so far. This feels like a random encounter. <laughs> incredibly so like we've <laughs> joked about that before but it feels like oh, okay they're on a perilous journey gonna roll on the monster table uh looks like it's griffins it's literally a fucking DD monster rick's fucking uh, crouching behind his little little dm partition glancing up at the characters who are bored that they're gonna have to go through them. but like wh- where is it frank says something that like guys frank said nervously i see your legion relics in this nest i know percy said that means other demigods died here, or... And then he's cut off by Percy. Uh-huh. Which, to me, I feel like the only thing that could have come after that is, like, they ate demigods elsewhere and then shat out their equipment once they got back to the nests. 
What if they have like very powerful asses? <laughs> like not to not to go too in depth on Griffin Anatomy, but like they have to be more than just like big birds, right? There has to be something special about them. I guess so, yeah. So maybe it's their asses. I I think that the the last few weeks have been a real boon for them. I think they die whenever they have to shit out one of the Imperial Gold Daggers. But because Thanatos is chained up, this doesn't kill them anymore. So their population has been booming. That makes sense to me. Maybe <laughs> the Griffins... I mean, I guess maybe it's possible the Griffins were what, like, what killed the last bunch of demigods who went to Alaska. But is it implied they that that was Alcyonius? I feel like that... Yeah, it... wait. Oh, actually, you saying that has just made like uh, something click in my head. Which is, um, that that very much is the implication, because um, we know that the the last expedition from Camp Jupiter was sometime in the 80s, and we were we were joking a couple of weeks ago about how, oh, of course, El, Elsa, whatever his face, of course he came back during the fucking Reagan years. Of course, that was uh-huh. when he died until. So he, he was around then. So yeah, it makes sense that he would have done that. Right. That's interesting. I wonder if, like, hmm be fucked up if like oh i'm the master of death like i i still i kept them alive all this time or something oh shit but i took to keep on these griffins for a second <laughs> truly like the most like series of coincidences counter encounter that has ever happened <laughs> like i usually even the bad rick riordan like monster encounter fight scenes are all right and this wasn't terrible but there were just so many like convenient little things happening it did it felt very contrived like the solution to it was to like run under a giant the make sure to not move so the giant doesn't sit on you and kill you the griffins will fly around the giant the giant will freeze them then the griffins will fall and you can run away it has the Kane Chronicles style of setup and payoff <laughs> where it was like literally set up stuff two chapters ago. Oh, fuck, you're right. And like, you're completely right about that. But also the way that this like happens is that Percy is like, oh, maybe they're trying to take us to their nests. Then in the next sentence, he su- he like trips and falls over one of their nests. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's right here. And like, and then he's like, uh, how are we going to do this? And then Hazel oh. is like, sorry. Well, I guess that's actually kind of a misdirect. Because him stumbling into the nest is how Percy eventually arrives. Oh, wait, they weren't trying to take me to their nests. They were flying away from here, so they must be under orders from... But also, like, the monsters being under the control of the big bad is not a twist. Not really, no. (laughs) And also, like, I think the fact that it just happens so immediately just feels strange. And also... It kind of just the exact same beat happens again because Percy is like, well, how are we going to beat these things? And then Hazel is like, you know, I heard that they collect gold. And then Percy looks down and there's a bunch of gold in the nest. He's like, you're right. And so he's like, <laughs> Hazel, use all the gold you talked about two sentences ago and fling it into, hyper- into the Hyperboreans. And like, I guess that's like a fine solution, but it, it I don't know. It's so weird. I wonder if like he went back in and added this later because this 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 fight scene is very bare bones and very shitty in a set of chapters that are otherwise pretty good i completely agree yeah like to get my (laughs) overall feelings on this i liked these chapters and i i I think the reason i think the reason i'm harping on this so much is because it is the big thing that stands out to me is just like very (laughs) rote i guess Mm -hmm. like it feels like rick riordan was like okay so they get off the train at seward and then i guess he gets swallowed oh wait that doesn't make sense they have to get off the train eventually before they get there so i need to figure out a reason for that to happen uh train crash uh uh griffins do you remember the bus the bus and the lightning thief yeah that was this that feels like a better version of this yeah you're right public transportation gets interrupted by a monster encounter but there it was like actually sort of integrated into the bus like as an environment and they had to use that to their to like it was actually used whereas here like the train is toppled off the rails and then it's basically non-existent from then on yeah you're right the 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 train is basically taken out of the action scene instantly which is weird because it's like this big cool double decker train 
and it feels like that could be an interesting environment to sword fight some griffins yeah trains are the like... cool uh-huh sorry you go yeah trains are the coolest fucking thing to have a fight scene on <laughs> you gotta climb on top of the train and fight up there exactly it doesn't really make any difference you're still on the train but it's cool mm-hmm this the the last insult in this scene is that this is a very anticlimactic with a tying off grace thing yeah to the point where i'm like is frank lying about doing that right because we don't even see it i don't think like plus he gets like a glimpse of it and then they like run away yeah it's straight like it feels like frank is frank is like hiding stuff in this chapter it feels like yeah it seems like he's like developing ideas and plans and not letting everyone else know uh which is interesting because we were like just in his head um mm-hmm. so which you know that's kind of cool but also like <laughs> it was supposed to be this big like uh you have the spear and you're supposed to rely on it and now it's kind of like out of the way um which i guess clears frank up for his remaining chapters to like have to find the power within himself i suppose and I also suppose you could say it's like, you know, despite all his self-doubt, he's developed to the point where he doesn't need the spear as a crutch anymore, so he can just kind of discard it offhand. That would be that would be the generous way of reading this. For sure. And I like I do read it that way, but also Grey was like really set up. Like Yeah. It it really sounded like something was gonna happen with this guy, and it's it still could. But also, it just seems like, oh, okay, we're done with the skeleton guy now. It seemed like he was going to pose a threat to, like, the characters at some point. Like, he was he was barely being kept under control. But that never paid uh-huh. off. Like, the reason you put a rabid dog in your story is for it to bite someone. <laughs> and that, that never happens here. I, want, I, I guess maybe it could be a case of, like, now that he's free from Frank's binding spell, like, he's going to come after them. Like they'll be they'll be like on the road outside Alcyonus's palace and he's gonna like jump out from behind a rock like fucking Golem on Mount Doom or something. He'd be like, Bah, I'm a scary skeleton. Yeah. That kind of thing. And then I, Hazel maybe. will fucking one shot him because she's the child of Pluto. <laughs> Literally, like we saw these guys I mean interestingly and it, it's interesting <laughs> how like she seems to have none of the death powers, basically. That's true. Um and all of the like riches powers. But mm. also, 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 I guess at this point, what's what would be done with that beat? Like, because what you would expect to happen is Gray loses, Frank loses control of Gray. Uh, Hazel and Percy get attacked. They take care of it somehow. But then Frank is worried that Hazel sees him differently somehow. And yeah. that we don't need to do that again. Mm-hmm. However, we could have already done it, maybe. Like maybe that would have been a better beat. I think you're right. It's, it's very weird. It feels it feels like it has to go somewhere from here. Then again, I mean, this is kind of what happened with the Gorgon blood, right? That's true. We were, like, this this seems like it's being like this is proper Chekhov's gun shit. This is gonna go off in the third act, and then they just kind of use it for one of the encounters halfway through the book. Although I guess we're, we're still feeling the consequences because Percy's getting his memory back. If I had a nickel for every time that <laughs> up, like a plot and character important item of Frank's was used very like offhandedly in one of <laughs> Percy's chapters, I, w- I, I would only have two nickels, but it's weird that it happened twice. That is very weird that it's happened twice. That's very specific. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Otherwise, though, I, really, I did really like these. Agreed. Yeah. We're, we're, we're front loading it with the bad shit, but... Do we want to talk about uh, seeing our, our best friend again? Yes. It's 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 our favorite character in the world, someone we really grew to love, a big love a big lovable creature. It's Mrs. O'Leary. <laughs> well, we get barely any Mrs. O'Leary. Yeah. Yeah, like Mrs. O okay, am I was she she was fucking Daedalus's dog, right? Yes. Okay. I I I remember being so excited about her and she was she did some very good puppy stuff in uh the last Olympian mm-hmm. and was very much absent from the last book. So I'm really glad to see that her and Tyson have teamed up. I think before I was just like, "Oh, Tyson has a big dog. That's weird." <laughs> but also like, yeah, so what we get here is 
a very like it's kind of touching reunion with Percy and Tyson. They're like this is a relationship we haven't gotten any of in books and books and books. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just re- kind of refreshing because they had one of the best relationships in the original fucking series. The pentology, what, what's the word for five books? We'll call it the quintology because fucking Quintus was in it. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Was the thing really that that was like his fifth robot body or whatever? Yeah. And that, oh, God, that's really. What was it? What, what were the other ones named? Like Unus? <laughs> Uno, Dos, Trace. Trace Navare. Trace Navare, holy shit. He's okay. a fucking Daedalus Trace... clone. This is amazing. Trace Navare is... Okay, this makes some degree of sense with... Because <laughs> we... N- mm, we'll talk about it on the, on the episode. Coming this weekend, maybe. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I mean, there's... And, and then also the, the, the giants are being scary. Uh, what do you think of these dreams? Uh... First part of the dream's good. I, I mean, like Mrs. O'Leary is just kind of there, but it's nice to see Tyson again. It is after after so long with Percy being like, "Oh, I can half remember a thing," but it's kind of angsty and I can't remember it. It's nice to see him just like talking to someone from his previous life. It's just it's it's satisfying to finally get that payoff. Definitely weird. Weird that Percy told Tyson to take Ella back to Camp Jupiter and not Camp Half Blood. It is the weird. The one that's not surrounded by a giant army. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess he... Yeah, why did he do that? I... <laughs> like, I guess there's something there. Like, she, like that's where... I guess he knows that that's where, they're all, where they'll all be meeting up. Like, he knows that the other campers are headed to Camp Jupiter. Yeah, to have a huge fight where a bunch of people will die. Yeah, so I, I really would just send her... I would just send her to Camp Half-Blood. Let her live a nice little life. Let her also, meet Rachel. And I, I know I know Percy would never do that. He, he is not cynical enough at heart. But if you're worried about a war breaking out with Camp Jupiter, uh, having having the harpy who knows the destiny of Rome seems like a pretty good chip to have <laughs> in your back pocket. Honestly true. <laughs> but no, I, I think I know why. Uh, Ella is not a natural-born dishwasher, and... Um, mm. She would, she would surely fall in the lava pits God, of Camp Half Bloods, <laughs> of Camp Half Bloods dish pit. Speaking of um, potential wars between Camp Jupiter and Camp Half Blood, uh huh. I'm glad that we finally, um, like, Octavian really like. I don't know. He shows his use as a plot device in these, because um, Hazel and Frank talk about like, oh, if if Octavian knew about Camp Half Blood, he would instantly declare war on it. And, like, that adds a lot of credence to what felt like a very empty threat from the End of Lost Hero. Because, like, End of Lost Hero, you you know that Camp Half-Blood wouldn't do shit like that. And Jason seems like a good egg, and you're like, why would anyone Camp Jupiter also do that if it's basically... But, like, declare a war on an external power to shore up internal political support is, like, the classic Roman move. So I, I appreciate that Octavian is being characterized as, like, yeah, he'd do that. You're right. This is the classic Rowan move, and I am. Like, this is... There was some threat at the end of Lost Hero insofar as, like, Jason has a pretty fucked up background. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, maybe that's fucked up, too. But it doesn't see Like, it seems like he just kind of had a normal time there. And I just... I completely agree with you. Like, this is this is very good. And I, I'm very excited for the last chapter of this, chapters of this book to see how it all folds out. God, I wish we'd spent more time at Captain with Octavian. I really, I, I want more Camp Jupiter characters, <laughs> and I want more of their like interacting at camp. I, I'm enjoying this book, like I, I like this. Uh-huh. I'm not, but also, I don't know. It's if it's gonna be so fucking long anyway, give it a few extra <laughs> chapters, I guess. Yeah, and that would also help with um, Percy deciding that uh, Camp Jupiter is a second family. Yeah, like, this... bro, you were there for a couple of days. The Hazel and Frank thing I get, but he's like planning out a whole life in his head. <laughs> he's he's literally like, oh, Camp Jupiter has normal people. That means that I can take Annabeth here and we can live a normal life there. Like, just give us like a paragraph, man, of like, for the next like two weeks, Percy ate shit at the bottom of the Legion at Camp Jupiter. And he had the feeling that he'd been like this before for him or something. 
And that would just, like, you know, it wouldn't be very, like, affecting, but it would at the very least, like, give us a narrative justification for why he feels that. That's true, because what this feels more like, I'm realizing, is a very classic Greek hero story. Uh-huh. He wind like, the, the, the big hero, the Odysseus or what have you, mm-hmm. washes up on an island with no memories, and, like, he he's celebrated as a hero, and he's, well, he, not initially, but he proves that he is of great strength and of great yeah. wisdom, and he, like, is, he's kind of, like, applauded in that way, even, like, after proving himself, and we, I wish it broke a little bit more outside of that, like, I, I wish we did get to see, like, Percy shoveling the stables or whatever and like (laughs) him sort of growing closer to this like loser legion it would have made this all a bit more effective like i still i still like the beats that are being hit here and but it it, it's not quite as effective as it could be and the horrible goblin part of my brain which desires only pain and suffering for the characters i like is like hey we spend a bit more time at camp jupiter build up a bit of romantic tension between Percy and Raina. Because that's something that's hinted at, but we never, like, get fully capitalized on. Yeah, it's hinted at in a very, very strange way that, mm. like, I'm kind of... There's some... Maybe I'm overanalyzing. Maybe I'm being a bit of an overanalyzing Percy Jackson YouTube channel here. <laughs> there's something to, like... Ia and Raina, ha- like, doing their whole thing of, like... Oh, we had to like do whatever we could. We had to like fight and prove ourselves and like make alliances or whatever to like escape the pirates mm-hmm. and like put themselves at the top of that food chain. That like is interesting to me in parallel to the way that Reyna like is like, oh Percy, if you become my co-prater, I'll be your girlfriend. Yeah, definitely. I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right. <laughs> it's I don't know. Raina should have been in this book more as well. Octavia, just more Camp Jupiter stuff, please. Exactly, exactly. I want more of both of these characters. And also fucking the, the comedy ghost. I don't know. I'll take a couple on a new chapter of him. I'll take, I'll take like, who was it? Dakota? Dakota the ADHD kid? Oh yeah, the one who's just addicted to Kool-Aid because Rick can't give a child a drinking problem. Yeah, which is, very, which is a very Homestuck thing. God fucking damn it. It's, it's very Therese gets addicted to Fago. It is a little bit Therese gets addicted to Fago. Uh, but uh, I do like how much Percy is just like trying to hype Frank up in these chapters also. <laughs> that is very sweet. He's taking his duties as the great, 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 etc. uncle seriously. Yeah, and the, they fucking do the bit that you did in the last episode, which is like doing the napkin math. <laughs> And Frank is like, wait, you're related to a Cyclops? And he's like, yeah, I got, yeah, sure. <laughs> For, I love that phrase. Like, yeah, sure. Like, and also <laughs> he's related to you. Like, he's your great, 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 great. And Frank is like, I stop. I cannot think about this. <laughs> Have they grappled with the fact that they're related to the horse yet? I don't feel like they've grappled with that. I think Percy did a little bit, but Frank hasn't. I'm not sure. Frank, Frank's, got, Frank's having to think about a lot right now. Frank's like, thinking about a lot. Tell your friends what your power is. Do that, and also <laughs> don't keep, like, the way that he's, like, mapping out battle plans without telling everyone else makes me think that he's gonna do, like, a suicide maneuver. <laughs> like, like, he... No, I see it, you're right. Something about him just staring at the map, drawing lines with his fingers, and, like, muttering stuff. It's just like, oh, like, he's gonna do something risky that he doesn't want everyone else to know about. I think he's gonna turn into a whale and let them ride on his back. I think that would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's just, that's my feeling, that's my prediction. What do you think about Alaska? Uh, Rick must have been to Alaska at some point in his life. He must have been, or he got really, really entranced by fucking Jack London. Like, it's one of these things. <laughs> yeah, because, like, th- this is some of the, like, I, I constantly bitch about, like, the description kind of going downhill after Lightning Thief. Uh, we are back to, like, Lightning Thief with these descriptions. Yes. Of, like, the sky being, like, turquoise and gold. Or, like, there's a, there's a specific one I really love, which is uh, Percy seeing the Northern Lights for the first time. And the thing that he thinks of to compare it to is, like, his mom's gas stove. 
Yeah. Like, that's such an effective description, and it's such a Percy description. Like, it, just, it fits perfectly. It's really good. It really does. And something that I think, actually, this has a hand over on Lightning Thief is, is Lightning Thief was good at that, but for, like, a paragraph at a time. Mm-hmm. And this is just, like, pretty consistent. This is, like, yeah. through the whole chapter. And I... Like Alaska, feel if you, I mean, I guess it's a real world, it's a place in the real world, but also it it feels so like real. It feels so well defined. Every bit of description lends to like exactly like like you. They're not walking. They're trudging through the Alaskan snow. They're like like every there's constantly like. Well, the description of them like going across the frozen marshland and like feeling the ice crunching underneath them. Yes, it's everything. It all very it all builds up to this very good image, and um, my favorite part of that is that there are just hyperboreans everywhere. <laughs> They're just vibing. They're just vibing. We don't see we don't see enough of this in Percy Jackson. I didn't realize it, but we don't. It's yeah. just like supernatural creatures. Like if if Greek mythology is supposed to be here. And it's if it's supposed to be in the United States, then we should be seeing more like creatures just vibing. Because this has popped up before a couple of times, I think, but like very infrequently. Like the only example I can think of off the top of my head is uh, the last time that Percy was on a train in Lightning Thief, uh, and he just like glanced out the window and saw the Nemean lion fucking around in a field. And that's one of the most striking parts of the Lightning Thief. Yeah, or it's like it's the idea that there is not just like. There's some kids running around getting attacked by monsters. There's, like, a whole extra, like, world. There's, like, just a layer of it that other people can't see. is superimposed on, like, the entirety of the Percy Jackson universe. It's the urban fantasy shit. It, yeah. And it's the, like, other world outside of ours shit. It, uh, I really like it. <laughs> I, I would like to make a petition. Please? There, there, are, there are two halves of the Roman Empire. There's the western half, there's the eastern half, and they both get a camp. They get they get Camp Jupiter, they get Camp Half-Blood, respectively. Uh-huh. My question is this. Where is the camp for the Holy Roman Empire? <laughs> I, that's actually a really funny idea. I just, I just pick a field in Kansas for, like, <laughs> three tents in a portaloo. Just make it an absolute shithole. Uh-huh. <laughs> Everyone in there has a pathologic fear of the French. Yeah. Call it Camp Habsburg. <laughs> this is amazing. You have to write this book now. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch this to Rick Ryden under the Rick Ryden selects. Whatever the <laughs> fuck his thing is. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> are they just are they just Christian? I guess they are just Christian. They're Christian. They have really fucked up chins. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Camp Habsburg, make it happen. <laughs> this, this really that I I would like just like more weird settings. Like I would like more just like <laughs> odd camps happening. Like there's, if you really want to make this the book that is like, oh, we're really digging into Roman history. There's a lot to talk about there. There's a lot of just, like, oh, yeah. weird incidental stuff and, like, tangents and related bits that you could really drag in here. And I would like to, I would like to see more of that. <laughs> 100%. Because it seems like every ancient civilization is getting their weird little camp in America. The Romans have got one, the Greeks have got one, the Egyptians have got one. Add some others out to the uh, slightly shittier civilizations that nobody oh. likes. Can, can we talk about, um what percy says about because he meets this is this character doesn't get a name truck driver mm. um, truck driver who smells of salmon uh-huh which is hmm but mm. yeah and he basically all we get about him is that he he smells like salmon he's an inner uh-huh. guy uh and that he tells a lot of stories about his about the the gods baron raven uh and Percy is Percy comments like, "Oh, I hope I don't meet them," <laughs> which just, I don't know. This is weird. 
it's weird, but on there there is a degree to which I can just kind of see it. Because his specific phrasing is, I hope I don't run into them. I've made enough enemies already. Uh-huh. Like, I can see Percy running into just any gods from any pantheon and immediately pissing them off. Yeah. Like, pissing off gods is like 90% of what he does. Uh, yeah. I also <laughs> couldn't find anything about gods name like a like a raven god um but i'm sure that i'm sure that's some i'm sure rick isn't just making stuff up i hope i desperately hope he's not also something that is a not just the pet peeve of mine but also something that is like incorrect that i'm seeing constantly is people using uh inuit as like a like a singular it's not singular uh this this is an instance uh in which rick riordan does singularize that when it is in fact like a plural Oh, I didn't know that. But, you know, at least he doesn't say anything else, I guess. Yeah, th- th- there's always, like... Racial like, slurs? Like... <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just going to say, generally, like, whenever Rick is playing around in this area, my, like, grip on the book increases by several times. Uh-huh. Because I'm just, like, waiting for him to say something. But you're right, he could have said that specific word. Yeah, I mean, it's not great that all we get about this guy is that he tells stories of the old gods and that he, like, smells like salmon. But, I don't know. To I, a degree, I guess, I we... guess everyone in Alaska kind of smells like salmon. I guess that's kind of most of what they eat. I don't know if that's true. Is that true? <laughs> wow. I'm we should go to Alaska. <laughs> no, because after I've said this, I'll get fucking kicked to death. <laughs> You'll get cancelled. <laughs> Just like the train did. <laughs> I I want reindeer sausage. <laughs> I've had reindeer uh, before. It's it's all right. Have you really? Did they have reindeer uh, up in the the silly little the silly little uh, island? Uh, I don't know if we have reindeer. We do have just like normal deer. Okay. I assume the reindeer sausage was like important. Gotcha, gotcha. I saw a deer the other day. Oh shit. Uh, yeah, I was just we were just driving through like the backwoods going home from a friend's place. And you just and... swept straight into it. No, luckily <laughs> we we saw like a possum crossing the road, and we're like, "Ooh, we got to slow down from the possum so it crosses the road." Wow, what a beautiful creature! And then as we just like slowly crept forward after it crossed, we saw that also there was the deer on the side of the road staring at us. <laughs> very the deer glad was trying we... to eat the possum. <laughs> it's very possible. I, hmm, what else can we talk? about? Oh, the voicemail. God. Again, I, I wish for nothing but pain and suffering for characters I like. I desperately wish that Sally had picked up the phone. And Percy just, like, wasn't able to say anything. Like, he had to hang up. <laughs> like, he no, wasn't prepared. I, just, okay, actually, that would rule as well. But I just, like, I would have loved to see them hash it out. Which I guess, you know, there's a time pressure they can't really do that. But it's just, I don't know. A, a tearful reunion over the phone, but also tinged with Sally being like, I don't blame you for this, but also, fuck, I've been through a lot. Yeah, because he's in the middle of a quest right now. Uh If she picked up, it could be the last time she ever talks to her son. It's been seven months. She's possibly moving into the acceptance stage at this point. So like one phone call from him and then he disappears forever again (laughs) is like cosmic cruelty. Yeah, exactly. Man, but also it's it's still very sweet. Like, I I will say that I think we were like, what's what's Sally up to nowadays? Oh, she's moving in with her roommate Medusa or whatever stupid <laughs> joke was. I completely forgot Paul existed. Paul Blowfish. Paul Blowfish, who I'm. We've theorized about this before. I really do just like the idea that she's chosen because the last name sounds like Blowfish. <laughs> She just has a weakness for people related to ocean stuff. Uh-huh. It's... Which is why in the Percy Jackson gambling movie, married to Frank Ocean. <laughs> Holy shit. Wait, isn't Frank Ocean gay? Wait, I'm thinking of... Who's the guy from Ocean's Eleven? Isn't that like... Is that, is that Danny Ocean? That might be Danny Ocean The one played by of? George Clooney. <laughs> Wait, you said Frank Ocean is the guy from Ocean's Eleven? I don't fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck is Frank Ocean? This motherfucker said Frank Ocean is the main character of Ocean's <laughs> Eleven. This motherfucker did say that. 
Oh my god, that's amazing. Um. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. The fuck, were we talking about? Uh Oh, Percy has a, a certified ADHD moment in these chapters. He does, yeah. Which, like, well, it, it feels like we've been seeing that less and less as the books have gone on. Uh, so it's nice to see him just, like, interjecting unhelpfully while someone is trying to come up with a plan because he's just bubbling in intrusive thoughts. Yeah, he's like, oh, it looks like a pigeon. Like, it looks like a seagull. <laughs> and Hazel's just like, no, it, it's just it's just a map of Alaska. And I'll just draw a train line over it and Percy starts saying that she's cut the seagull's head off. It's very relatable. It's very relatable. I like that. <laughs> it's just good to have these incidental moments. Yeah. Like, that's that's really what you need. Um, also, 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 I think that I, I really like Hazel commenting on like how Alaska has changed since, since she last was there. This is this is the the Winter Soldier routine that I was craving with Jason last book. Uh-huh. Where I thought that he was, like, a Roman warrior or something. Hazel is doing her, like, she's been frozen and put in the future thing. I guess she she was kind of frozen. I mean, she wasn't literally frozen, but she, well, she died, may as well. you know. She she did die. But she <laughs> may as well have been, like, frozen in the, like, in the fucking Arctic Ocean. Or just, like, put in the Lotus Hotel and Casino with a million other Hades slash Pluto kids. I... <laughs> The idea that every kid in there is secretly a Hades Pluto kid is so <laughs> funny to me. Like, who wasn't there like a guy who was just like a like a teenage dude from the eighties in there? Yeah, he was just like talking about vibes to Percy, and that was how he figured out he was in the wrong place. I think that's like the idea that Hades has secretly been fucking this entire time, <laughs> even though like he just like goes to ju- Vegas to do it. Right, I mean, because the bit is like, oh, Hades was has been like the most respectful to the pact of everyone, but actually he has he's been like the least, and he's just stuffing all his kids in time portals. God, it is still incredible to me that nobody seems to have given Zeus any grief for breaking the pact twice. Yeah, <laughs> maybe Jupiter gets a pact. Like they each get one. I. I guess so. I I get maybe it's because it was a Greek prophecy. It doesn't count. Because I guess there's also like there's a bit near the end of Last Olympian that I don't think has ever actually been paid off, where um, Poseidon tells Percy that he needs to go out and collect all of his other kids, and Percy can't tell if he's kidding. Yeah. And maybe that was a reference to like, oh well, I wasn't technically restricted as Neptune, so I've been just absolutely blasting rope up and down the country. Good luck. <laughs> That's very possible. God, I hate the phrase "blasting rope." <laughs> I it, I I learned it from that um that one post that was like, Jesus died for all of our sins. That means that while he was on the cross, he saw some dude blasting rope to Waluigi hentai and chose to die anyway. <laughs> and it's been living in my head rent free ever since. Christ, <laughs> there's also there's also some classic Rick Riordan humor in here. Um, which is, they get to a place called Moose Pass, and then they get to a gas station that's called Moose Pass Gas. I love Moose Pass Gas. I would shop here if I could. I absolutely would. <laughs> the owner seems like a nice guy. The owner, the owner sees these three kids that have crawled out of a train wreck and is like, "Oh shit, would you like some food?" She's just yeah. it's nice. It's a nice thing to have happen. It's it's truly like it's 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 the good Christian thing to do. <laughs> Also, can we talk about how these chapters end? With because Percy it, just fucking falling into the ground? It's fucking hilarious. He, like, <laughs> steps off the beaten path. He literally, like, takes one step off the paved road and instantly clips into the earth. <laughs> he just falls through the fucking wall of geometry. It's, like, so out of nowhere that it feels like a mistake. Like, it feels like a mistake in the world design. I'm like, wait, what happened here? Like, is it this? Rick did not intend this to happen. The next, the next set of like Frank and Hazel chapters are completely normal, and the next set of Percy chapters are just like twenty pages of him falling infinitely. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're gonna have a fun time with those ones. Uh, <laughs> no, I would love if he was just like clipped into the next book. <laughs> Annabeth, no, just... don't burn down Rome. <laughs> you can't. Percy is stuck phasing in and out of a corner somewhere in the Vatican. We need to get him. <laughs> gone full fucking june egg mode 
What does that even mean? Phasing in and out of existence. I see. <laughs> You're very homestuck brain this week. I am a little bit, but we do That's a podcast. You, ha- you haven't gotten out of your system by talking about it on the bonus episode. And I, mean, I still guess. won't with this upcoming oh, one. yeah. It's weird that none of the um, like protagonist characters have like died in the course of this quest yet, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is weird, actually. Because like, death is switched off. This is the time to let some truly fucked up shit happen to them. Right. No, you're right. Because, like, they can, can die and just... I, I guess so. But also, Gaia could just trap their souls in the underworld still. Oh, that's true, I get. Yeah, it's like... She's selectively letting people back across the death border. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's letting all the illegal dead... Okay. <laughs> uh, no, you, I mean, Rick Rick is the one who conjured this. He's the yep. one who used the Border Patrol metaphor. Yeah. Even though it, it hasn't come up at all since then. But he, he still put it into the ether. I don't know. I just, I feel like, okay, this is probably too graphic for a kid's book, but I like, I find the idea of Percy, like, he got stabbed and he's having put his innards back in. Mm-hmm. And he's just, like, bleakly thinking about, like, compared to being invulnerable, this version of immortality fucking sucks. That'd be really good, actually. <laughs> I know, I just feel like that's that's untapped potential right there. More and more as these chapters go on, as this book goes on, I'm convinced that Percy did not need to lose his invulnerability. Oh, absolutely not. I guess it would have affected the um, the section where he has to, like, do his life gamble with uh, Phineas. But that's it. I mean, his ins- his insides are still, like, vulnerable, I think. I, I assume. Yeah, I guess if, if Gorgonblood is, like, instant death, you could say it just, like, the poison will gather in, in his weak spot and kill him that way. Right, like, I, th- I don't think he's immortal, he's just invulnerable. Yeah. So, like, and also he still has two squishy friends who could die at any time that he has to protect. This is so true. I think it would honestly be a lot cooler if, like, I don't know, what if he forgot that he was invulnerable? And, like, I mean, I know that this was kind yeah. of established at the beginning, that, like, he was getting, like, he was just being bitten by monsters and then recovering, uh, or, or like, like not... falling down the side of a mountain, and but he's fine. That was really cool. It was, but I also like the idea of him not realizing like, until he's at Camp Jupiter and like Octavian tries to like stab him in the back or something. Oh, that would rule. <laughs> and then like the sword fucking snaps. Like I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> so I I don't know. That, I think there's mm-hmm. that would be such a good like murder mystery thing. If like that happens and Octavian escapes and like Percy knows that he's the murder murderer. But, like, he can't prove it. Like, he, he survived the attempt, but he's got no evidence, and he's got to put his detective skills to the test. And then they could spin the whole book at Camp Jupiter. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of cool stuff that still could have been done if he was invulnerable. I know that, like, like if he got captured by the giants, they could find his weak spot. They could fucking find his armpit easily enough. I mean, yeah, they just, like, tie him down and keep hitting him until he dies. Exactly. And, like, he's not immune from pain, either. That's also true. So, I I think it was kind of needless. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. But, ultimately, I think it... I I don't really, like, vibe with the whole, like, you have to get rid of... You have to do New Game Plus mode now. (laughs) You have to debuff before you start. Yeah, it's very strange. It's very funny to me that Gaia... As the, as these chapters state it, Gaia seems to just be a Ted Kaczynski fan. <laughs> She's like a full, like, Anne Prem. <laughs> She's just, like, Return to Monkey. Yeah, literally, like, <laughs> there's a moment when Percy is like, oh, the, like, the untouched wilderness, this is just like what Gaia wants. But he has to, like, shake his head and be like, no, she wants it to be very violent and kill everyone. It's... And so, uh-huh. I don't know. For for a for a set of books that have like an environmental streak and kind of especially of graphical stuff like Pan in previous books, I feel like there needs to be uh uh there needs to be more to do to like justify okay, why is it a good thing to preserve human civilization by your reckoning, Rick Riordan? If if like you are highlighting these dangers and highlighting that hey, Gaia is not entirely wrong here. You gotta do more well, than just have Percy say well, no, that would suck. In a way, it makes Gaia feel like a justified villain mm-hmm. because 
she's the culmination of kind of the entire original series. She's the culmination of like Pan dying, like nature becoming fucking overrun. Like this, this is not a thread that has been entirely like conjured out of nowhere. Yeah. And I think you're right that we do need more of the like, more fighting back against the idea. We need like a bit more of Percy being like, no, humanity is worthwhile or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, like there's there's a scene in the um, the Netflix Castlevania show that uh, it, it's kind of it's kind of the vibe that I want from Percy in a moment like this, where like Dracula's whole plan in that show is to wipe out the human race but leave the rest of nature untouched. Uh huh. And Alucard is like sitting around a campfire trying to explain that to some other people who are joking like, "Well, ha, that doesn't sound so bad," uh, and he's saying like, "They'll they'll be like." It'll be permanently dark all day with these like huge sheets over the sky to block out the sun. Animals will still rot in the bushes. Wind will still whistle through the the trees, but there won't be any humans to witness it. There won't be any of you left. So stuff like that. That kind of vibe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, the humans, as it turns out, should not all all be wiped out. Like humans are also an animal who are part of an ecosystem and can tend to it. I don't know if this uh, is a controversial take for this podcast, but uh, murdering everyone probably bad. It would be bad if everyone died. I know I've <laughs> said I, I know I've said stuff that would suggest I think otherwise, <laughs> but I I think it's I think everyone should live. Maybe not everyone, but uh, what, what a fun parody, fun comedy podcast we do, non-actionable. <laughs> it's it's truly true in Minecraft. <laughs> Somebody should record a podcast in Minecraft. That's called a let's play. No, no, like they use <laughs> Minecraft blocks to like create a new like audacity thing and like a whole new like file type. The scene this sounds very complex of making a podcast. I, I mean they've recreated Didn't they like re I guess you're right. Didn't they recreate like Minecraft in Minecraft? What? They like made it so you could play Minecraft using Minecraft. Uh this is the kind of shit that blows Hazel's mind. <laughs> Hazel's Hazel would fucking love Minecraft, actually. <laughs> yeah, they added horses to it a while ago. She just start a fucking horse farm. Join the official Unwise Girls Minecraft server. <laughs> where we are building Camp Half-Blood from the ground up. That would actually kind of rule. That would be awesome. It's kind of weird to me that, um, like, Percy is like... He's, he's saying up here, like, oh, my water powers don't actually work up here because it's the land beyond the god. Which is like, you know, maybe it won't be the horse that drowns, maybe it'll be... But I'm like, that's that's weird. It's a weird distinction when Percy's water powers work in a fucking river. That's true. Like, that I, I don't... be outside of Poseidon's domain. I still don't really get why Alaska is the land outside the gods. Is it because it doesn't have, like, as much, like, Greek architecture? What? Why? Canada's still the land, like, is still a land of the gods. I guess just somewhere needs to be the land beyond the gods. Maybe it's because Russia used to own it. Maybe. The heart... Wait. Yeah, and they're, they're fucking, that's not the heart of the West. They're, they're part of the East or some shit. Christ. <laughs> Christ. I mean, <laughs> this is kind of what Rick Riordan is implying. Like, by use it by bevying about the term western civilization like uh <laughs> the jesus fucking christ um the fact is like well i'm trying to think of it is it because like it's an untouched wilderness because in that case like well that's not really true and second of all like there's there's like wilderness in like most the of United america States. is a fucking empty field uh huh. <laughs> what what's the difference? I guess. Uh, it's cold. It's cold. Honestly, I could see that they just fucking Zeus doesn't want to want to put on a winter jacket. Wait, hang on a second. How come there are um like Native American gods in Alaska, but we've never heard about any being in like the rest of the Americas? Uh I mean. That's, I guess that's not quite true. That kind yeah, of I guess we got a little like bit Piper. 
Yeah, with Piper's dad last book. But also, it's because uh, this fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's also because this book series is shit. <laughs> I'm the negative one now. We swapped around. We decided to vary things up a little bit. We're not friends anymore because of this. <laughs> That's not true. Um, yeah, I don't know. On what I really am like. On one hand, I don't want. Rick, do I want Rick Riordan to do this? I don't know if I do. On the other hand, like the the first time that like there's ugh, Christ. There's, there's no good explanation for it. Is the thing. There's something so infuriating about like assigning the gods of a land to be. Oh yeah, the ones from Greece that we like because Greece is associated with like empire and like quote-unquote western civilization and now that western civilization has spread onto the like formerly like untouched land now uh, now that it's there it's the heart of the west you see it's this grand land inspired beauty and full of the architecture and definition because there wasn't anything there before right it didn't have Mm -hmm. people it didn't have culture fucking christ i hate this series so much (laughs) The heart of the West is a fucking albatross around the entire thing's neck, and it always has been. It really is. It really is. And because of that, you can't actually... Like, you can't actually have the idea that, like... Okay, I'm calming down. (laughs) But it makes it almost incompatible with the idea that there were, like, gods here before. Right? there, There are two ways you can go. One is that it's incompatible... One is that you go, like, five steps further than Rick Ryden will ever be willing to go and start talking about, like, hey, these are the gods of the people who came over and did a bunch of colonialism and genocide, and that's why the Native American gods... Yeah, like, if we want to... that's not something I think he's ever going to do. Like, Rick Riordan will never start talking about why it is that, like, the Greek god... Hey, why is it that everyone is so interested in the Greek gods in our culture? Like, where does that come from? He's never gonna investigate that. It couldn't be anything to do with the fact that they are extremely fetishized in uh, 18th century Britain, and those are the people who were mostly colonizing the US, so they brought that over with them. No, it's it's the heart of the West. (sighs) Ah. But I like these chapters pretty well. These chapters are pretty good. Maybe this will come up in Trials of Apollo. Who knows? Fucking who knows? God. <laughs> we could Do, be eating this... our... I'd like to eat our words on this, but I don't think we will. I would. I, w- I honestly would. Do I mean, do we have to go to, like, the Rick Riordan Presents stuff? Is that what we have to do? Probably, is one of those? Yeah. Is one of those, like, a really actually subtly, carefully constructed takedown of the worldview of the Percy Jackson series? Maybe. Are those all in the Percy Jackson universe, or are they just, like, mythology books that Rick Riordan publishes? I believe they are just like Rick Riordan being like basically like sponsoring people being like oh mm-hmm. like more people of more culture should be able to do what I did basically um which is yeah. a cool idea uh but also I've never read any of them I've I've definitely heard I've and also they get the like they get the seal of approval you know for the better marketing yeah but I, I don't think they're in the world mhm yeah, I guess that's why the the Nico one is such a big deal. Oh, because it's the first like return to it for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. When did Trials of Apollo end? I'll have to I'll have to look into that really fast. It's been a while since we've just ragged on the heart of the West as a concept. I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm I'm glad we we got to do that every now and then. We really do. Uh, last book in the Trials of Apollo series was 2020. Uh, so it's not actually that uh, long. <laughs> no, not that long at all. <laughs> Oh, you know. What has he been writing since then? Just It's just Daughter of the Deep, right? There's... Okay, so there was Daughter of the Deep, and then... Because he uh, usually does... He did two books a year for quite a while. Yeah, it, so in 2019, he, he, he there's the graphic novel. Let's see. 2021. Okay, so it was 2020 was Tower of Nero, and also a book called Camp Jupiter Classified, which was, uh-huh. I think, just like... I don't know if that's like a you know demigod diary style thing, maybe. Sounds like uh, it. Uh, and then in 2021 was Daughter of the Deep, and that was that was the last book that he did. I guess, I guess he's busy with the show now, right? Probably with the show and with the Sun and the Star. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. Well, this just won't do. I I demand permanent saturation on a permanent basis of all the content TM that I enjoy. Get that new Get that new Trace Navari book out there. <laughs> 
There's only seven of them. We it's been since 2008. Fucking fucking release the release. Maybe the he trace dies book. in the last one. He actually might. I don't know. And that's kind of how grungy private detectives tend to go out. They just yeah. die at the end of the series. Yeah, he does some shit in that book. Uh huh. T- tune in to this coming whenever it is for for the big red tequila episode. Yeah. It's, have it's, we talked a, it's about, a fascinating look at his early writing. Have we talked about the 39 clues before? Uh, I don't think so. Wait, that rings a bell. This is like an adventure novel series that I think Rick Riordan like spearheaded almost. Uh-huh. Uh, it's It's got like a bunch of fucking books in it. Uh, it has like a bajillion books. Um, and it's just about like this family who are out to like find the... It's like... They're out to find the all the the items to create the most like powerful juice in the world. Um, yeah, that sounds like a fucking Camp Hoffler Chronicles plot. And I think at least three of the books are by Rick. Uh huh. So maybe we'll check that out at some point. Anything else to say on these chapters? I I don't think so. I think the final thing I have to say is that our intro and outro music is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find that at OC Remix. Uh, well, the last thing I had to say about these chapters is that uh, Hazel has the correct response to a chatty cabbie, which is to weird him out enough that he shuts up and stops talking to you. Uh, our cover art is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter. I was in New York recently and got a fucking Uber, and the person <laughs> talked to us for like 30 minutes, the entire no, drive home, no. about he was explaining music theory to us, which included oh, like, God. there were like, like four people in there who were like all pro like who all played music like one of them is in a <laughs> band and he was explaining music theory to us and like started explaining like communism and like pol- and like how it's bad and how like politics work to us uh-huh should have just told him the last time you were in new york was seven years ago he'd have left you the fuck alone <laughs> And also, uh, we're hosted by the Moonshot Network pod- <laughs> podcasts. Uh, you can find them on Moonshot Pods on Twitter. Wonderful people. Uh, look out for the Extra Life stream coming up, the Hextra Life stream. We're going to be raising money for charity. Uh, lots of lots of things coming up. And Jane and I should be on there if you yeah. want to see us. Um, there's also we, there's some special surprises in store for Wise Girls fans. Uh, so keep an eye out. Also, if you would like to contact us, you can go to twitter.com slash unwisegirls. There, uh, we have our links to our Discord server, our Patreon, our email, our personal Twitters, etc. Join our Discord server. It's, it's pretty cool in there. Yeah. Chill vibes, horrible fan theories, etc. <laughs> exactly. Um, and if you want to support us, you can leave a five-star rating review on your podcast app of choice. You can go and uh, tell your friends about us, or you can go to patreon.com slash unwisegirls. And for just a dollar a month, you can get the Discord role of Camp Counselor. For $3 a month, you can get the Discord role of a Friend of Bacchus, as well as all of our bonus content. Yep. Yeah, uh, if you would like to hear us talking about, uh, Rick, was it? Big Red Tequila, his first novel? I think so, yeah. Yep, his debut novel, Big Red Tequila, a little detective thing he published in the 90s. Uh, sign up to that tier and you'll be able to listen to us talk about that this week. Yeah, it, I think it'll be very interesting. Mm-hmm. And for $5 a month, you get the Discord role of Venus is Chosen, all of our bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of every episode. This week, we'd like to thank Danny, Tana, Mercy, Veronica, Friend, Bree, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. that umemoshi baby chew it slowly Don, quit your fancy asmr dreaming and wake up what we're back who's back okashina podcast anime with friends of course oh never heard of it i have who, who are, are you, you?
I'm Victoria. I'm joining Okashi in a podcast as the third chair. Nani! Would everyone stop screaming? Well, I'm glad you asked. Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends is a podcast in which two childhood besties, me, Sabrina, and you, Don, and you, Victoria, watch anime together and then discuss what we watch with restrained delight. That's three people. Mm, sounds boring. I'm going back to bed. You can't! You'll miss all the weird, wild, under-the-radar anime we cover. I never agreed to this. It's fun! Check us out on the Moonshot Podcast Network. Insert joke.